All right. Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate that. All right. Good morning. Great to see you today. Thank you for being out and about. And praise the Lord. What a wonderful time uh, we've had this week. And I want to thank those of you who uh, made the sacrifice to be out through the week and be in the services. And I uh, thank you for allowing me to come. I really enjoy being at this church every time I get the chance to be here. Thank you for not kicking me out as of yet. And I appreciate that. And uh, really looking forward to uh, a wonderful uh, day today. I hope that you'll be here tonight, and I'm not going to beg you to do that because I don't think we should need to beg you to do that. I think you should want to be here tonight as you celebrate and look back on uh, many of the things that God has done in your local church here, and you look forward to what God will continue to do in your midst, amen? And I'm really glad you've gathered today. Uh, it's wonderful to be with friends, and uh, your pastor is my friend. Uh, he's, uh, he's a blessing. And uh, we've uh, been able to journey together a little bit, and I really appreciate that. He's my friend, or at least I thought he was until something he said a little earlier. He said, uh, you know, we've had a good week, and uh, well, well, Pastor Fish is over at Faith. But, but we have Pastor Lloyd. And, um, I was like, yeah. I'm not the only one wishing Pastor Fisher was here right now, okay? So anyway, I'll talk with him about that later. But uh, thank you. Thank you for that warm introduction. I feel so uh, wonderfully blessed to be here this morning. Praise the Lord. All right, if you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 7, uh, sincerely, it is a joy uh, to be with you. There is nowhere I'd rather be on a Sunday than with God's people. And I gathered together. Uh, just here in the house of God, wherever that may, may be that we find ourselves. But it's a joy to be with your own local church and never, never grow weary of the blessings it is to be part of a local church, to have people who will be there for you when things don't turn out how you want them to be. Sometimes we think that uh, everyone in church should be perfect, but Praise the Lord, when we get to heaven, we will be, but we're not now. And sometimes we even need to be thankful when people in church rub us the wrong way because they give us an opportunity to learn and grow in the Christian life. And without them, uh, we wouldn't become the vessels that God wants us to be. You know, I've learned there's some scriptures that you can only apply when you've been wronged. For example, you can never turn the other cheek until someone slaps you in a cheek first. But none of us sign up for the slapping ministry, you know, we, or the, the be-slapped ministry. You know, no, no one signs up for that one. But uh, God works these things together, and hopefully that will come out a little bit in the message today. I'll make an honest uh, confession to you. I, I think we had a great few days in church. I've really enjoyed being here. And I really wrestled last night and, and uh, several times through the night about what to preach this morning. And I hope I've got the right one, okay? And by the end of it, hopefully you'll say I've got the right one. But uh, let's look in Mark 7 together, and I want you to pick up verse 31, and uh, I'm going to give you a, a message to say today that, that I hope just will help the church this morning. Again, Pastor Fisher will be here tonight, and you're going to do some things, I believe, on heritage and legacy or what, and uh, it'll be a wonderful evening, I'm sure, and uh, really, really, I, I hope, bonding for the church, so I hope that you'll be here for that. I'll talk to you a bit about the Lord Jesus today, and uh, the title of the message is this, The Curious Case of benevolent touching. In verse 31, I want you to see here 
The Bible tells us, and again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, Jesus came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. Starts with an again, because the Lord had been here before, and I hope you'll see as we unfold this passage, the compassion of the Lord to come back to this place again. And how many of you would say today that God has been gracious to give me something the second time that I didn't get the first time? Because the Lord returns here to a place, the coast of Decapolis, the ten cities that were there. And if you know anything about this particular part of Mark, the last time he was here in chapter 5, he had healed a man who had been full of demons. So many demons that when the demons came out of this one man, thousands of pigs were filled with those demons. That's a lot of demons. And let me remind you that demons are real. And they still affect people today. But after doing that, wouldn't you think that if the Lord had healed the sickest person in your community and brought about a spiritual revival in that man where he was now sitting clothed in his, in his right mind at the feet of Jesus, wouldn't you think that the whole town would say, praise God? But they didn't. You know what they did? They went to Jesus and they had a business meeting and they kicked him out. And they said, don't come back tells us in Mark 5 that they went to him and they asked him to leave the area of Decapolis. I imagine being one of the apostles, I would have thought, you what? You, you, what? you want me to leave? Well, and the Lord did. He left and he went elsewhere and the blessing went with him too, by the way. But now here, having just healed the Syrophoenician girl, the, the daughter there, he passes back here. And he could have come another way, but he chooses to come again to Decapolis. And he's going to do something in this area that will give those folks another chance to see the Lord for who he is. And maybe today you've been in church before. Maybe you've been confronted with the real spiritual saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ but maybe you walked away from it. Maybe God's giving you another chance today. Can I encourage you before we finish, take hold of that chance. Because you don't know how many times the Lord Jesus will pass through the coast, which means borders of your Decapolis, your life, your city. Never take it for granted. The word got out here in verse 31 that the Lord was in town again because Although there were those that had asked him to leave, there were clearly others who, by the testimony of the healed demoniac, said, if I can be anywhere near him again, I want the help that only Jesus can offer. And how many of you would say today, there is a help that only Jesus can offer? He's better than any physical doctor. He's better than any financial planner. He gives better legal advice than any lawyer. He is the Lord Jesus. And in verse 32, it tells us here, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. Those two things are not necessarily the same, but the passage will tell us they are two separate conditions that this man finds himself afflicted with. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. 
Now, I'm going to need a volunteer, and if you've been with us the last few nights, when I ask for a volunteer, people get scared, okay? So far, I had one man, I called him a girl, and another man, I held his hand half the service. So, so I, I, I'm running low on volunteers here, but I'm wondering if there would be, and see, see what happened? You see it in the back there? They all went like this. They all went, oh, no, because I'm going to ask for a young man to come up here and help me. Who's going to come today? That's what I thought you'd say. Oh, look, they're all tapping each other on the leg. Here we go. Here comes a, here comes a willing... Give this man a round of applause because he, he, he doesn't know what he's in for yet. And by the end of it, you're going to be cheering him loudly, I hope. Now, brother, we've talked a week, but what is your name? Sam. Sam. Sam, come and stand up here. You are about to have a life-changing experience, Sam. Okay? I want you to see here in verse 32, the first thing I want you to see out of this curious case with the Lord Jesus is that sometimes the best thing you can do in life for someone who is hurting is bring them to where Jesus is. Now some of you probably already read the story or reading ahead as I, and I'm trying not to do that on purpose but what we find here and I'm going to call the man in our story Sam because you're Sam, okay? Sam is brought to Jesus but nowhere do we see that Sam wanted to come anywhere near Jesus. Verse 32 tells us, And they bring unto him one that was deaf. Now, can I ask you today, does being deaf mean you can't walk? Oh. So Sam could have bought himself, we would assume. Nowhere in this passage are we told he's lame. Sam could have bought himself, but Sam didn't seem to want to bring himself. I wonder who the they are. They are the people who cared enough about their friend's pain that they said, I know someone who can help you. Would you come with me? Did you know that today in Australia, 80% of people will go to church for the first time because someone brought them to church? And I realize today that there are people who might say no, but there are still some Sams who maybe reluctantly and maybe not joyfully, but if you ask them and say, Sam, you're hurting. Would you come to church with me? I believe Jesus can help you. There'll be some people who'll come. And we're about to see in this story that they might come as a skeptic. They might not come walking through the doors and saying, well, this is just the best thing that's ever happened to me. But they might come. And I want to encourage every one of you today to be the they who would be willing to bring someone in pain unto Jesus. Then notice with me what happens next here is they beg Jesus and they come to him on Sam's behalf and they say, Lord, please, would you put your hand on him? Because Lord, we have heard and we have seen what one touch of Jesus can do in the life of a broken person. And I wonder today, who would agree that the touch of Jesus can do wonderful things in broken lives? So they beg him, and that would speak of their intercession. Not only did they invite him to come, but they pray, they ask, they beseech, they beg the Lord Jesus to put his hand on this man. And then I want you to notice another truth in verse 33, and, and that is this, that now Jesus, here's what he does. It says here, and he took him aside from the multitude. Now, Sam, just come over here with me. 
he takes him over here and he, he, he begins to deal with him a little bit and he, sa- and he does this. He, he puts his fingers in his ears. I told you this would be life-changing. But actually, I'm worried what's in your ears. This could be life-changing for me. All right? And so the Lord comes along and the Lord brings him over to the side. And before I go any further, I want you to notice this, this with me. He didn't take him over to the side because he could hear better. This guy's deaf. You don't need to take deaf people off to the side so maybe they can hear. You ever seen people who shout at deaf people? Like that's going to make them hear better, you know? It doesn't work that way. So some might have been looking and saying, why is he, why is he doing that? Because it wasn't like Jesus was going to come over here and go, now Sam, no. But I tell you what it tells me. It tells me that though Jesus came for every one of us, and this crowd that day, he's going to do things for others. Though he comes for everyone, he deals with each of us as individuals. And I hope today that as we gather as a crowd, a congregation, please don't miss what Jesus wants to do in your life. Because though you might be sitting behind someone, I can't see your head, I might not know your name. It's not about me today. It's about you and Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in you. And Jesus brings this fellow, we're calling him Sam, along to the side and he puts his fingers in his ears. And I believe what the Lord is communicating here is, I understand what's going on. Because isn't it amazing with the Lord that we can be in a crowd like this and yet He can put His finger on the very heart issue you've got right now. He can put His finger on the very pain that you're feeling right now. He can give you a sense that He understands your hurt and brokenness even though no one else might even know what's happening. And He comes along and He puts His fingers. That's as close as I'm going to get here, Sam. Okay. And then look at the next thing at what the Lord does here in verse 33. It says, and He spit. Put out your tongue, Sam. Further. Uh, He's scared now, right? Who else is... You're going to take a photo of that. Stop taking photos of this kind of thing, right? This is is, is bad publicity. But but the Lord says, okay, I'm going to... Now, if someone walked in the church today and started... What would you think about that? Queenslander? You know, you you'd probably, probably think something like that. What would you think? And the Lord has got... Now, come back, come back to the middle here so we can do this where everyone can see, okay? Because everyone wants to see my spit, okay? No, they don't. All right. I promise you I'm not going to spit on your tongue, but I, just, okay. but, but I just wanted to make you really nervous that I would, okay? okay? But the Lord here, look at what it says. It says, and he, he spit. And I think perhaps he took that spit and then he, he touched his tongue. Now, I've I, I got to ask you, if you went to the doctor and said, uh, I've got a problem with my speech, speech impediment, and the doctor said, okay, put out your tongue, uh, <laughs> would you run out, report him? What would you do? Why did God do this? Why did the Lord Jesus do this? Spit is probably something we associate with the dirtiest part of a person. Maybe not the dirtiest, but it's a dirty part. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a, in a place where people spit and it's on the ground and it's... I've spent a, a, a fair bit of time in Papua New Guinea and 
you've ever been there or, or no, they, they chew the betel nut. When they chew the betel nut, they'll spit and it, it ferments and turns red and they'll be red all over the ground and it's, it's dirty, it's unhygienic and, you know, it's, it's not nice. And you see it on the ground and even though it's dried, you sort of think, oh, I'm just going to walk around that. I think the Lord might be saying to us here is that what you might consider to be the very least part of me still has enough power in it to handle all of your weakness. Even the least part of what you think is Jesus is still greater than the best part of you. And the Lord could take even just the spit from his tongue and he can touch it on your tongue. And that would be enough to make a difference in your life. Hey, just a little bit further on, uh, just a little bit further back, sorry, we read, don't we, of a woman who touched his clothes. And Jesus said, who touched me? And they're all like, what? What, there's people everywhere. You say, who touched you? And Jesus said, yes, I perceive virtue. Virtue, which is strength. And power. Did you know in the Old Testament, not, not in the New Testament, but in the Old, the word that's translated virtue was always translated in the feminine. And when it was translated in the masculine, it was translated strong tower, strength. What the Lord was saying was this. I perceive that some of my power and strength just went out of me and touched that lady's life. Now, I know this morning none of you got up and said, I'm going to go to church. Lord, would you spit on me? If you said that, I'd be pretty impressed. But I don't think anyone woke up this morning and that was your prayer before church. But I wonder now, as we look at this passage, who would be willing to say, Lord, please, even if you would just spit on me, that would help me. Even if you would just see the passage before this, the Lord said, oh, it's not me. It's not meat to give that which is the children's to the dogs. And the lady said, I'll just even take the crumbs. Because even God's crumbs would be enough. But praise God, he doesn't do that. He gives us much more, doesn't he? But he's showing us something here that as he takes this spit and he's got Sam off to the side here. And I wonder what the friends are thinking now, by the way. Because this, again, is a great reason why you bring people to Jesus because then you see what Jesus will do. And it's amazing. It's not what you would do. And it's not what we can do. But notice also with me here in verse 34, it says, in looking up to heaven, now what we see is that as the Lord has entered into this physical picture here with this man and he has taken him off to the side and he is dealing with him individually, now he looks up to heaven. And now he's bringing the Father into it as well. And by the way, Whenever we have dealings with Jesus, we don't just want it at a human level, we want it at the divine level. And it always is that way with Jesus. But he looked up to heaven and he did this, he, he sighed. <sighs> Anyone here married to a sire? I'm married to a lady who sighs. She's not here today, so I can get away with saying a lot of stuff, okay? But my wife sighs a lot. It might be because we have four kids. It might be because she's married to me. Don't say amen to that, all right? Yeah, there's a lot of things, but, but my wife is a sigh, and now my daughter has caught the habit. Oh, my goodness. You know, and sometimes I'll be walking through the house, and I'll hear her go, <gasps> and one of my sons is a bit dramatic, and he'll go, <gasps> and immediately I'll go, what? What's wrong? When you hear someone sigh, what do you think? 
exasperation, maybe frustration, pain, inconvenience. Maybe some of you are so used to hearing the sighs you don't even realize what they sound like anymore. But the sighs, they, 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 they can stop whatever is happening. Why did Jesus sigh? Do you realize we serve a God who's never, ever broken a sweat? But God is not sitting in heaven today worried about the end of the world. He has it all under control. But yet here, God who took on flesh and became one of us, He sighs. And saith unto Him, Ephrathah, meaning be opened. Now here's what I get from this. We could take a number of thoughts, I think, and perhaps we couldn't be conclusive on them. Perhaps the Lord sighs because he looks upon this man who is made in the image and likeness of God and now mankind has degenerated to a point. Sorry, Sam, you haven't degenerated. But man has, man has come to a point where sin has so overtaken us, it has marred the very thing God made us to be. Maybe God sighs and says, Oh, <sighs> It didn't have to be this way. But I understand. Sin has had its effect. We could look at it other ways and consider what it might be, but ultimately I do think what Jesus is saying here is his sigh as he looks up to heaven is an understanding that I know you've probably sighed many times about what's going on in your life and I want you to know today that I understand your pain. Because the Lord could have just healed this man without any of these things that are included in the Scripture. But here he sighs. So this man that he has already taken off individually from the crowd and said, I'm going to deal with you individually, he now sighs with him in this moment as he looks to heaven and then he turns to him and he pronounces this, what I could only say is a great blessing upon Sam's life. Would you agree? The Lord turns to him and he says, Ephrathah, be opened. In other words, I want to open up that thing that has been closed. I want to loose that thing that has been bound. I want to take away that thing that you have wanted gone for many, many years. But here's a point before we go any further. Nowhere in this passage has Sam yet shown that he's got any faith in what God can do. Maybe that's why Jesus is sighing. I wonder if as the Lord was standing with him off to the side and the Lord was putting the fingers in here and saying, I understand your pain. I wonder if this guy was still looking at him a little skeptically. And maybe today some of you are still looking skeptically. But verse 35 is where we see a real miracle. Would you look at it? It says, in straightway... His ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. You know why this is a miracle? Because he never went to language school, but he spoke perfectly. Who taught him how to speak? Now, I've got children and, they're, and one of them, our youngest, is learning to speak. And right now he's learning how to say truck. And every parent knows what a bad one that is when your kids are trying to learn certain words. And they get them wrong. And, you know, people come along and they look and go, are you teaching them that word? I'm not teaching them that word. They're just learning. 
You know what happened when this guy's mouth got loose? He spoke perfectly. Because here's the truth, brethren. When God does it, he does it perfectly. And when God is the one who does it, you won't need to go back and get someone else to do it. Jesus does it perfectly. His ears were opened. Hey, if you want to get a blessing today, have you ever seen footage of where someone could hear for the first time? They put a cochlear implant in or what? And You want to get a blessing this afternoon? First of all, come back to church, okay? You want to get another blessing this afternoon? Go on a YouTube or what and find a video there where they're filming when someone can hear for the first time. I saw one just three days ago. I just sat there crying. There was this mum who'd been deaf and, and, and she'd been deaf pretty much all of her life and she'd never heard her children's voices. And they've got it all ready and they're, they're putting it in and they're about to turn it on and the doctor says, okay, you're ready? And they're filming and, and, and they turn it on and, and it's silent and, and the kids say, mommy, I love you. And she just, the tears just came down her face as for the first time she could hear what she already knew was so. She knew they loved it, but now she got to hear it with her own ears. Would you agree that's life-changing? Would you agree this guy got a life change that day forever? And this is the guy who, by the way, didn't bring himself to church. His life was changed forever by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you today that whatever it is that you face, maybe you face something that has been lifelong. Something you wish could be taken away. And I'm not going to stand here today and say to you that God will take everything away. I, I can't say that because I'm not God. But I can say this. If you will come to Jesus and the power of God will touch you, you will be forever different. And I can say this, that the God whom we serve is able to change lives he is able to take brokenness and make it whole. He is able to take that which never worked and make it work perfectly. He is that kind of God. Hallelujah. This was a miracle. He didn't do six months of speech therapy. He didn't do three years of language classes. The Lord touched him. The Lord spat on him. The Lord declared it to be so, and it was so, and how many of you would believe today that when Jesus says, let there be light, there is no darkness that can stop the light? Because when he declares it, it is so. And if the Lord would declare today, I will touch you and that thing will be opened, there is no force under heaven that could prevent the power of our great God from touching you forevermore. But notice this. And this is where we come to somewhat of a conclusion here, but a main point. Verse 36, after this has happened, and isn't this wonderful? And by the way, there is no evidence here that this man got eternally saved. I hope today that if you need Jesus, you would get eternally saved, not just temporarily healed. There's no evidence of that. There's no declaration of your faith hath made thee whole. There's no statement that he calls him Messiah. It's just not there. This is why this is a curious case. Because look in verse 36 and it says, And he charged them that they should tell no man. Hang on a sec. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Lord, this is a guy 
who hasn't been able to speak his whole life. And now you give him the ability to speak and you tell him to shut up. Is anyone else perplexed with that? Or is this just some, you know, Queenslander logic or something? But, but is anyone else perplexed that the Lord would give you the gift of speaking only to tell you to be quiet? This is a curious case. I mean, so far we've had spitting and ear touching. And now we have gift of, gift of speech, but be quiet. Isn't this amazing? He tells him, tell no Sam, what has happened today, can you promise me you will tell no one? Sam, when you go home today, will you tell no one that I spat on your tongue and touched your ear? We will never speak of this again. You understand? But the more he charged them, it says so much the more, a great deal, they published it. This sounds like one of my children. Isn't it amazing with kids that you can be this far away from them and go, clean your room! And they go, I didn't hear you. And you can be three suburbs away and say, it's dinner time, and they come running. You know, It's amazing how they can miss those messages. And yet here, he tells him, he says, don't tell anyone. And Sam goes and tells everyone. Sam even goes and gets new Facebook friends so he can tell them. And the Lord says, stop telling people. And he says, okay, I'll tell some more. You're not listening. Now, by the way, side point, but what an amazing thing that Jesus has told the New Testament church to tell every creature and we tell no one. And this guy was told, tell no one, and he told everyone. Hmm. What a fascinating truth that Jesus has plainly commanded us to go and tell everyone. And most of us this week told no one. Very simple obedience. Just means do what you're told. And yet the very people in this room who've had broken lives made whole are keeping that to themselves when Jesus has told you, get it out there and let others know about it. Why do we do that? Why did this mean? Well, I, I realize here there's an issue that he's been told to do something and not. But let me give you two, two sort of thoughts on this. One, one is this, that here is a truth of life. Can I say this to you? And this, this is what worries me when people don't tell anyone. I, I get shyness. I was like that as a teenager. I, I get those things. But when Jesus really does something in your life, you're going to want to tell someone. You're going to want to tell someone. How many of you, when you get a bargain somewhere, you just tell someone? Hey, I got a bargain today. Was it really that life-changing? Yet you tell everyone. Why is it that when the Lord Jesus has taken the power of God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and washed, us, washed away the penalty of sin upon us, and we now have a home in heaven to go to, how can we keep that to ourselves? Is that not the best thing that has ever happened to you? Someone say amen to that, please. Because that's the best thing that's happened to me. I look in the mirror every day and I know the kind of person I am. And the fact that the Bible says, according to the testimony of God, that He keeps me saved and He is taking me to heaven makes me think every single day, I am the luckiest man on this world, on this planet. I don't deserve it. How can I keep that to myself? How can we do that? But there's something here I want you to see, church. 
He says here in Mark 7 and verse 36 that tell no man. And I want you just to go over a little bit with me here to chapter 8. And notice something here that happened to the disciples that's kind of curious as well. If you look down in Mark 8 and verse 27, Jesus asks the disciples here, uh, whom do men say that I am? And how many of you know when Jesus asks a question, he doesn't need the answer, he already knows it, he wants you to think about the answer. Uh, fellas, uh, what's everyone out there saying about me? Who are they saying I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. It's interesting, given they killed him already. Elias, and it's interesting because Jesus and John walked the earth at the same time and all of that. But then the key question in verse 29 is, he says, but what do you say? But whom do ye say? Whom say ye that I am? And can I tell you today, that's the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. The most important question you'll answer is not who are you, it's who is Jesus. Because right here is the difference between heaven and hell. I ask people all the time, uh, do you believe in God? Many people say yes. I say, do you believe in Jesus? Many of those same people say no. You don't get into heaven by believing God. You get into heaven by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came and He died for you, he, he, he paid the penalty for your sin and, and he was risen again by the power of God and he is in heaven today. Hallelujah. So Jesus asks them this question and Peter stands up in verse 29 and don't you love Peter? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ. And say amen today if you know Jesus is the Christ. Amen. The anointed one who was sent of God, who is God, who came and died in our place. And then what a wonderful breakthrough that is because after all the things that had happened, they followed, they've been baptized, all of that, there is a confirmation here from him on behalf of really the others as well to say, we know you are that Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one who was sent in our place. Lord, you are the Christ. Now, what do you think should be said next? And don't cheat and look. What do you think would happen next? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go and tell every man. But look at what the next verse says. And he charged them that they should tell no man. Huh? You mean, you've spent a couple of years getting us to the point of, of accepting that he's the Christ and now you get there and he says, okay, don't tell anyone. Why did he do that? Because later they're going to tell a lot of people, aren't they? I'll tell you why. Look in the next verse. It says, and he began to teach them. And here was the point. If the disciples left that day and told them about Christ, you know what they were going to do? They were going to tell people about a Christ who didn't come to die. They were going to tell them an incorrect doctrine. Now go back to Mark 7 and let me show you this about this man. And hopefully this will help you a little bit here and I'll just about be done. And if, if, it all, if it all goes really bad the next five minutes, just do this. Right. But we've got Pastor Lloyd and tonight we'll have Pastor Fisher, okay? But in verse, in verse, and then you'll be in unity with your pastor, okay? But in verse 36, notice this with me. He tells them to, to tell no man. You know why? Remember I said to you, there's no evidence this man, any spiritual transaction. 
Because this guy came today, and you know who he found? He found the faith healer. And you know who he's going to tell everyone about? Come to this Jesus. He can heal your deafness. Come to Jesus. He can heal your tongue. And while all of that is true, that's not the complete story of who Jesus is. Because Jesus did do all of those things. And how many believe he did everything he said he did? But that is not what he came here to do. Jesus did not come here to heal your physical, temporal circumstances. If he does that, then you ought to get on your knees and say, praise God. But Jesus came to give you eternal life. Jesus came that you who were dead could be brought unto life and you could spend eternity with him. And I I realize today that I have my two legs and I I realize I have my hearing and what. But I say this quite humbly, but I say it boldly to you today. If it comes between a choice of physical healing today or eternal salvation forever, I choose eternal salvation every day of the week. And the Lord is trying to show us something here. The disciples were watching. Others were watching. And he heals this man compassionately and graciously. He does this thing and he says, tell no man. Just like he says to the disciples, tell no man. Why? Because you haven't got the full picture yet. And he's about to say, I want you to go and tell every man. But before you go and tell every man, can you please make sure you go and tell them about the true Christ? And if there's anything Australia needs today, it's people who would go and witness of the true Christ. Not the one of the papers and not the one of the, the other, other groups and not the one of that, but the one of the Bible who is the Son of God. And that we would go forth and say, yes, He did heal my broken things, but more than that, He has taken away the eternal penalty of sin and I'm on my way to heaven because He is wonderful Lord and Savior. And to be honest with you, if I'm poor for the rest of my life, He's still wonderful Lord and Savior. If He heals my, my, my sicknesses, my, my mother passed uh, uh, a year ago, uh, what is it? It'll be two weeks. It'll be a year ago since my mum passed of cancer. And I thank you. Some of you in this church prayed for my mum. She had a battle of cancer for a few years and reasonably young by today's standards. And I remember when, when she first uh, had the battle that one lady came up to me in church and we're praying and, and, and what happened is mum had breast cancer to begin with and then she underwent some chemo and that went away and about a year later she got brain cancer metastasized and moved. And then, you know, some things happened over a period of time. But in that first year there, I remember when, when the test results looked good and we were, we were just saying, Lord, we were praying many things, but Lord, it's in your hands. I remember this lady came up to me in church and she said, Pastor, isn't God good? I said, yep. I said, but sister, can I say something to you? If mum gets sick again, God's still good. And some of us need to come to that realisation. Whether today was a good day or a bad day, God's still good. And whether God healed this person but didn't heal me, God's still good. Because the true nature of Christ goes well beyond my circumstance. It goes well beyond what's going in my life because He is God. And I want to tie that in here. Look at the next verse and we'll be done. Look down here with me in verse number 37. Because as this all happens, and it said that Jesus charged them not and they kept saying, but he didn't seem to get flustered with it. Verse 37 says, and speaking of that crowd, were beyond measure astonished. Have you ever been beyond measure astonished? I was sitting in the front row beyond measure astonished when he said, but we've got Pastor Lloyd. <laughs> no, I was just joking. I've been beyond measure astonished in a many different ways, but not that way, okay? When this is finished, I'm getting in my car and leaving, okay? All right. <laughs> lest, lest he does come after me. But uh, uh, they were beyond measure astonished. 
You ever had that? Like you couldn't put it into words. And here's what their response was. He hath done all things well. See, in that moment, they're commenting here that, do you realize Jesus just healed a guy who he knew the next action of this guy would be disobedience? But he healed him anyway. Do you realize Jesus saved you knowing you'd be disobedient too? He's pretty good, isn't he? You ever done something for your kids knowing they're going to get it wrong again? It's called love. It's called compassion. And Jesus healed this guy, so there's the, the micro story here that they're looking at it and going, man, he, he, he can heal deafness, huh? And some would be looking and saying, wow, he, he even healed a guy who didn't even treat it with the proper respect. He even healed people who would get salvation and then not come to church. Huh. It's amazing. Amazing what the Lord's done. But there's also something bigger here. They're saying he has done all things well because we come up from the micro for a minute to the macro, we can see that isn't the Lord amazing that after we kicked him out of our town, he compassionately came back. And he compassionately came back and healed some people, some of whom weren't even grateful for it. Huh. He doeth all things well. Some others might have even been saying this. Hmm. I wanted that healing last time he was in Decapolis, but it didn't happen. Because if we read the other account of this in uh, another gospel, we see others were healed as well in Matthew. But that the Lord waited until this time to do this thing. And you know what I've learned in life? Is that there are many times I've gone to God and I've said, I want what I want now, like a little child. Give me, give me, give me. And sometimes God may say no, but that doesn't mean God's saying, I'm not going to give you that thing. It can be, I'm not going to give it to you right now. But God hasn't forgotten. And then when God journeys through my Decapolis again, maybe this time it happens. And the marvel is, huh, he has worked that together for good. Even though in the moment I thought, no, it's supposed to be on my timing. But God, in his sovereignty, has decided, no, it won't be in your timing. It'll be in my timing. And when you come to that realization, you can give God glory and say, he doeth all things well. Let's be honest today, church. How many of us are glad God hasn't done what we wanted when we wanted all the time? You might have messed things up. Because, see, we focus on the answer. If I get that thing, then God's good. If I get that, then, then it's all good. But, but God, God can click his fingers and give the answer. God can touch this and it's done. But God is often involved in the process. What's God doing that's a curious case in your life? Maybe you've been watching someone else get this. Maybe you've seen in your own life disobedience or seen that there. Maybe you've been asking for something and he didn't do it the first time, but now as we come again, I know this, at the end, you will say, he doeth all things well. My mother passed. I was in the hospital room at 1am when she passed with my dad. And we held each other's hands and we sang and we thanked the Lord for my mum. And we said, he doeth all things well. Here's the, here's the thing that can separate us right now in a good way. 
Everyone in the end will say, he doeth all things well. But you and I have a chance today to say, before we get the answer we want, he doeth all things well. Before the story is fully written, you get to say, he doeth all things well. You see, before a guy comes today, before a guy comes and gets spat on, you get to get up on Sunday morning and say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know you'll do all things well. You get to get up on Monday morning when you've got to have that, that meeting with the boss and you get to say, Lord, I don't know how it's going to go, but I just know you do all things well. Whatever it is that you're facing that isn't done yet, can we say together, he doeth all things well. He's a good God. He never promised to do it your way on your schedule, but he's a good God. He doeth all things well. Isn't this a curious case? I like things like this because they remind me that God doesn't fit into what I think he should be all the time. And that helps remind me that I need to keep learning about the Lord. Sam, you got out of that easy. I didn't spit on you. Are you glad for that? He doeth all things well, right? Amen. You can go and take a seat. Thanks, Sam. I don't really have any crescendo to end with this morning other than I just believe that's what the Lord would take us through this passage here. But I'm sure along the way as we've just gone through these different points that God has spoken to different people. Maybe today you are that person who maybe even reluctantly came along. But if you're honest, God is wanting to deal with you as an individual today. Not in the crowd, but as an individual. And I pray today that you'd let him deal with you. Maybe for some others, you're challenged with some things that are happening in your life right now that you haven't got the answer. And maybe it's just as simple as that today that I need to in this moment exercise faith because blessed are those who having not seen, believe. That's the blessing of being a Christian. It's trusting God before we get to the end. Maybe it's just the practical points today. Bringing someone along. God understands our pain whatever it is for you. But there's so much richness here as we would consider our Saviour. In just a minute, I'm going to hand it back to Pastor, but I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet with me and if you would bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment and then Pastor will come and finish our service this morning. And as you bow your heads, uh, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer here. But I also just want to say very quickly, thank you for the privilege of being in your local church today with you as a congregation. Praise God for you. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for the gathering of your people today. I realize it's been a busy week for this local church and tonight will be, Lord willing, a special evening as we celebrate, commemorate and also look forward to what you have for us as a local church. I thank you, Lord, that you are what has been said this morning and so much more. You are our wonderful Lord and Savior. Across this room today, Lord, there are many people I don't know, I've never met, but I'm so glad today that in the midst of the crowd, you know every individual situation that is faced and that you have the answer that is needed for every soul today. Father, I pray in these moments of invitation that you would lead us in the way you want to lead us. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I have two questions and then your pastor will come. My first question, please, with no one looking around, is this. If you would say this morning, I know that I am born again by the power of God, would you go ahead and raise your hand in acknowledgement of that truth today? You say, I know I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Well, praise God for that. Hallelujah. 
If you've been saved today and you would say that the preaching of the Word of God today, God has touched my heart about something, would you keep your hand raised this morning if that's you? You're born again. God has spoken to you about something this morning. Well, praise God for you. I'm going to ask you something this morning. I'm going to ask you to leave your seat if you've raised your hand and come and join me at this altar for a word of prayer. No one's looking around. Someone's going to play on the piano here. If you raised your hand and say, God's spoken to me today, I want you to come and pray. Because I've got one more question for others in just a minute. Don't wait for someone else. Just come, pray, and bow your head this morning. And uh, just do that business with God as you would want Him to do. Here's my other question this morning, and then I'll be done. My question today is for others who are here, and you would say, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven today. Maybe someone else brought you to church today. Maybe you've been wrestling with the concept of who Jesus is. But if you would honestly say today, if I was to die today, I don't know for sure that I would go and be with Jesus forevermore. If that's you today, would you do me the honor of raising your hand so I could pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I probably don't even know your name. But it would be my great honor today to pray for you. And it would be this church's great honor to take the Word of God and open it to you and show you how you can know Jesus personally and have an everlasting relationship with Him forevermore. Would there be anyone like that today? Young or old, male or female, boy or girl, man or woman? You say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I would so love to pray for you for just a minute this morning. Well, please, if that's you, don't leave today without talking to Pastor or one of the, the workers here at the church. They'd so love to pray with you. Father, this morning we thank you for speaking to the hearts of your people. Lord, I just trust that what is taking place now between your people and you is what you would want it to be. We thank you for allowing us to gather. Would you bless each one who's praying right now, who's pouring their heart out to you? Maybe they're making a decision. Maybe they're asking you for something. Maybe they're confessing something. I don't know, but I just thank you that you know. I pray your blessing upon each family, each person in this church. We thank you for this local church and the lighthouse that it is to a community in need. We pray your blessing, please, upon each and every one.